Awesome. Thank you. I heard one person. Okay. All right. So last week we started a new series um, about doubts and questions that we have um, at some point in our life. So regardless if you are, you've been a believer your whole life and you are sold out for Jesus, or if you're a person, maybe you just started believing and you have some questions, you're not really sure, or even if you haven't quite made that step yet, at some point in our life, we have all had some doubt about God or faith. Am I right? So we talked about last week, though, that that's okay. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions about your faith, but because by confronting your doubt, you're able to get so much deeper and a deeper understanding of what you believe and why you believe what you do. Because believers ask big questions because a faith that knows God will want to continue to know God even deeper. So we should question and we should really analyze what we're claiming to believe instead of just blindly believing it because you're surrounded by it or your parents taught you it. Because if we do that, is it really genuine faith? Instead, we should look at our doubts and look at why we question it and work out the answers to them so that we can grow deeper in our faith. We can know God better, um, not just to answer questions that your friends ask you because they will, um, but also for yourself and for your own faith as a believer. Philippians 2 tells us to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, as in work to live out your faith and understand this God that you believe in and this salvation that he has freely given you. So in this series, we're going to talk about these universal questions that people have uh, when you're talking about faith. And so today, we're going to look at the question, how can there only be one religion, one true religion? Um, The exclusivity of God is probably one of the biggest struggles that Christians have, or that people have when they're talking about Christianity. So being a rule follower myself, for the most part, I haven't had... um, many doubts about God. I'm the type of person that people tell me and I'll just believe it and I'll accept it and I'll go with it. Um, But this question in particular has been the one that I have struggled with the most. And that's actually why I wanted to talk on this today, uh, which means more work for me, but that's okay. Um, So when you look at all the billions of people in the world, um, they are honestly and sincerely following the faith or the truth that they believe is right. So even atheists have a set of beliefs that they think is um, the, what the meaning of life is, and that is their belief and their faith in that. So everybody has a faith in something. Can you all hear me? I feel like I moved too much. Um, so a lot of people genuinely and honestly believe that the, their religion is the right one. So they truly think that they are going to heaven or achieve nirvana or moksha or whatever it is that their, their religion tells them. So what makes ours special? Why am I so certain that I am right and they are wrong? How do I know this? Is it wrong to be exclusive? Is it arrogant to say that my religion is superior? Because, listen, I want to be all in on this religion, but I want to know, is it the right religion? How do you know? How do you know we're not all supposed to be Muslims? How do you know we're not supposed to follow Judaism? How do you know? Um... Now, the second half of our series, we're going to be talking about how we know Christianity is the truth, hint, Jesus. Um, But today, we're going to talk about the other questions of why there can be just one religion. Um, So first off, though, when we hash out our doubts, you have to look at your belief behind your doubt. So why do we believe that it's unjust or unfair for God to to demand that there's just one way to heaven? What do we 
believe about the world that makes us cringe at exclusivity. So if I told someone in the Middle East that there can't be just one way to heaven, they would say, well, why not? Because that's their culture and their mindset. So when you think about our Western individualistic culture, we have, we have this need for freedom. Freedom to make whatever choice we want. Freedom for everyone to be equal and on the same page and to, to have this power of choice. How many of y'all have seen this bumper sticker before? Next slide. <clears throat> have y'all seen this before? Yeah, it's all over. Um, so this, if you go to the next slide, I think I have the... Yeah, so the, on the left is how it originally started um, in Poland from a guy that I cannot say his name because it starts with ML. Um, but it started as to promote peace in the world. And then people decided to take it further and try and include as many religions and different people types as they can. And so it made the one on the right. Um, so in case you don't know the symbols, starting on the left, it's Islam, the peace symbol, a gender sign, um, Judaism, Wiccan, Taoism, which is the yin-yang, and then Christianity. So um, it started, it became this idea, which is pluralism. Y'all heard the word pluralism around? Okay, so pluralism is a very popular ideology, um, especially in our culture in the U.S. So the idea behind it is to accept people for who they are, to accept their differences and their different beliefs, um, just accepting them for who they are, regardless of race, ethnicity, uh, gender, or religious beliefs. So that's a good basis for promoting peace. But religious pluralism says that truth is relative, and it's not absolute. So it, to each individual person, you get to choose what is the truth for you. So religious pluralism says that we should accept all beliefs as valid and true, but also maintaining your own religion that you believe in, which contradicts itself because if you know anything about these religions, Islam, Taoism, uh, Judaism, they're all very, very different. Um, but pluralism tells us that we should say they are all true and they are all valid, but at the same time, we also follow whatever religion you follow. So these are the voices that we hear every day. Whether it's explicit or not, you're being taught them um, in your schools and politics in your community, even when you're trying to learn how to love and be a friend to people from all different backgrounds. Um, these are the ideas that we hear. And some of that is not bad. I mean, we should accept everyone. The Bible clearly says to love your neighbor as yourself. Do not show partiality. Do not be judgmental. Um, those are good things. However, when this way of thinking is surrounding us all the time, it makes you, and by you, I mean us, it makes us question, well, is that the truth? Is that the universal truth, that all religions are good and valid? Are Christians just being exclusive and judgmental to say that ours is right? So I'm going to finish and then let y'all decide that. No. Um, so we're going to talk about three main points, um, three arguments that people have as to why there can't be just one religion. So the three points are that all major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. Um, that each religion sees part of the spiritual truth, but none see the whole truth. And then that it is arrogant to say your religion is superior to others. So the first one, all major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. So shouldn't someone who sincerely believes in their faith still go to heaven? Shouldn't all faiths be valid? 
So if you think about the coexist symbol that we saw, religious pluralism accepts all religions as valid and good and equal, and they all lead to God. Um, But I think, first off, most people would probably agree that not all religions are good. Um, What about the Branch Davidians or the people who offer child sacrifice? I think we can probably say that those are not good. Or think about Hitler. He was very sincere in his beliefs, but it cost millions of Jews their lives. I think we can say that was not good. Not all religions are good. So when people are saying this, though, generally they're talking about the five major religions. So Christianity, Judaism, um, Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. Um, So they're saying here that the doctrinal differences, so basically the core principles that each religion lives by, that those differences are insignificant, and that really we all just worship the same God but in different ways. Um, But you can't say that doctrine is unimportant because that is the basis and the foundation of everything that you believe about God and in your faith. Um, So let's just compare some major religions for a minute, Um, and simply in just what they believe about Jesus. So first off, Christianity. We believe in the Trinity. We believe there's one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we believe Jesus is God the Son. So he is God in the flesh who came down and took all of our punishment and sin upon himself, died on the cross, and was resurrected, therefore is the only way to salvation. Judaism believes that God is one. They do not believe in the Trinity. They believe that Jesus was a false Messiah. Um, And they killed him for claiming to be God. And they believe that he did not fulfill the Messianic prophecies, even though he did, in fact, fulfill all 400 of the prophecies. Um, Islam believes in one God. They don't believe in the Trinity. And Jesus was a really good prophet and a good teacher and a good example, um, but definitely not God incarnate. Um, Buddhism... uh, Buddhism does not believe in God or Jesus. They mainly just work to achieve nirvana, which is a state of utter bliss away from suffering. And then Hinduism actually has 33 million gods. Um, And any one Hindu could worship one god, or they could worship hundreds of gods. It's really up to them what they choose to worship. Um, And I think Jesus is a good teacher on there. Um, So other religions may see Jesus as a holy man or a saint, but never God. Um, And hear this, all religions except God are based on something that you can do to achieve salvation, to be accepted. Whereas Christianity is different. We have a God who came down in the flesh to take on all of our sin and our punishment on himself on our behalf so that he could accept us. We were accepted first and then we follow out of faith, whereas others follow hoping to be accepted. It's all based on their goodness. So when you look at other world religions, um, they do point to our desire to worship a supernatural being. Um, We all want to know the meaning of life, our existence, and what happens when we die. Um, And God put that desire in us. We were born to worship our creator. C.S. Lewis says this, It looks as if God has made us in such a way that we long for him and then go on to find him. So the desire for God originates from God. And we are all looking... um, for a higher supernatural being. But these religions are so different at their core and simply in Jesus that by accepting all religions, you're losing the real essence and meaning of your own religion. So we would lose as Christians the God that we worship, the God, the Trinity. We would lose the essence and the very nature of God. So they cannot all lead to God. Um, If they do all lead to salvation, 
then Jesus isn't a part of that, and he was a liar. Either Jesus is the only way, or he's not a way. Um, But Christianity cannot fall in that category. So let me explain why. Let's look. Jesus says very, very clearly in the Bible that he is God, and he is the only way. So I'm going to give you just a very small handful of verses. So John 10, I and the Father are one, as in one in being and essence. John 8, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So he's saying before Abraham was on earth, he existed. Even though Abraham was actually on earth like hundreds of years before Jesus was on earth. He's saying that he existed before then. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 3, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And John 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out to find pasture. So he clearly says, I am the Lord and I am the only way. And then he proved it by dying on the cross and rising again. And listen to me here. No one else in the world has ever risen themselves from the dead. No one else except Jesus. So if all religions are right and true, then Christianity is not a part of that because Christ clearly says he is the only way. And our God has never revealed himself as multiple paths lead to him. He has always explicitly said, I am the one and only God. You will worship me alone. I am the only creator of the heaven. So, again, if Jesus isn't the only way, then he's not a way. There's a quote from Keller that says, If Christians are right about Jesus being God, then Muslims and Jews fail in a serious way to love God as God really is. But if Muslims and Jews are right that Jesus is not God, but rather a teacher or prophet, then Christians fail in a serious way to love God as God really is. The bottom line was, we couldn't all equally be right about the nature of God. So they say it's wrong to be exclusive, but every worldview is exclusive. Think of the coexist symbol. Religious pluralism says that all religions are right. Well, that's their belief. And they're saying that if anyone believes differently than that, then they're wrong. So that in itself is exclusive. So truth is exclusive. Either something is right or something's wrong. But you can't have opposite statements be right. If I believe that penguins live exclusively south of the equator, but you believe that penguins live exclusively north of the equator, well, we can't both be right. It's not rude to tell you that. It's just fact. We can't both be right. We could both be wrong, but we can't both be right. So beliefs of the different world religions contradict each other at their very core. So either we are wrong about all of them, or one of them is right, but they can't all be. So let's go to the next point. Each religion sees part of the spiritual truth, but none sees the whole truth. So a lot of people like to use the elephant analogy to argue on this point. So I have a picture of an elephant. Um, Okay, so the analogy is that there are several blind men walking around, and they come upon an elephant. And so they're feeling this elephant, and they're trying to describe what this one being is. So they're trying to decide what he is like. So one person is holding the elephant's trunk, and he's saying, well, it's really long and flexible, so he's kind of like a snake. But then this other guy is feeling the elephant's leg, and he's saying, no, no, no. No, it's really round and thick, so he's really like a tree trunk. And then the third guy is touching the elephant's side, and he's saying, no, 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 no. He's large and flat. That's what he's like. So these three guys are all trying to describe what this one being is like, but they only have part of the picture. 
So this analogy argues that every religion has some grasp of the truth, but no religion can see the whole elephant and know the whole comprehensive vision of the truth. But this analogy backfires on itself, because if you're saying that these blind men are only seeing part of the elephant, how do you know? How do you know they can only see part of it unless you are able to see the whole elephant? So when people claim this, they're basically claiming that they have this superior knowledge of the truth that they're saying that these people can't have. You'll check in with me. So again, though, the religions contradict each other so much that, that there's no way for it to add up into one God and be the same God. So the third point says, it's arrogant to say that your religion is superior to others. So some say that when you realize how many good and equally intelligent people there are in the world who have a different worldview than you, that are never going to change their minds, so it's arrogant then for you to try and convert them to your superior truth. So if you're saying that it is arrogant to say that your faith is correct, then that very belief is also arrogant because they're saying that they have the superior belief that all religions are valid. So keep, keep listening in. So they have their own belief system that they think is true, that all religions are valid, and they're saying everyone else should see it that way. Um, you see how it contradicts itself? It's no more narrow for me to say that one religion is right versus someone to say one way to think about a religion is right. Keller says this, Skeptics believe that any exclusive claims to a superior knowledge of spiritual reality cannot be true, but this objection is itself a religious belief. That is their belief. So everyone has a take on spiritual reality that they hold as true, that they think is correct. So everyone essentially is exclusive because they want people to view things the way that they view it. Um, And when religions are exclusive, some people will say that, oh, they think themselves as superior, and that's why we can't have peace in the world. That's oftentimes another argument that people will have. And that sometimes can be true. There has been a lot of conflict in this world because of religious beliefs and religious differences. But while Christianity might be exclusive in the claims that it is Christ alone that you achieve salvation, we should also be the most open people group because at the heart of our beliefs is a God who came and died for his enemies. And we are not accepted by God because of our performance or our wisdom, but because of Christ's work on the cross. And so this should lead us to be humble and self-sacrificial to others. So if Jesus really is who he says he is, if he is the Savior and Lord, then our souls would need him, or they would shrivel, just like you need food or your body's going to shrivel. That's not mean or arrogant for me to tell you that you need to eat food to survive. It's just fact. So if Christ really is the only way, then yes, you need him only. And it's not arrogant to tell people that if it's the truth. It's loving to offer them the grace that's been extended to you. I want us to look at a a story real quick. Um, It's in John 3, verse 1. So it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a good teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this man, Nicodemus, it says he was the ruler of the Jews. So that means he was a really prominent Jewish figure. He uh, knew his stuff. People, a lot of people knew who he was. He was a really good guy, and he followed 
the religious laws and the religious practices almost perfectly. It would kind of be like today when you hear about Tim Keller or Matt Chandler. You know, you hear him and you're like, oh, yeah, he's a good guy. Like, he's a good Christian. He's got his stuff down. So it would be the same here, except you would hear Nicodemus' name and be like, oh, yeah, he's a good Jew. Um, So this guy, this very sincere follower, comes to Jesus to talk to him. And Jesus doesn't tell him, oh, just be a sincere follower and you will see the kingdom of heaven. No, he tells him, unless you are born again, then you can see the kingdom of heaven. As in, you need a new heart, a new life in order for you to get salvation. And that is only something that God is going to be able to give you, only something God can do for you. And that comes from believing in Christ. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And 2 Corinthians 5:17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So it didn't matter that Nicodemus was a sincere follower. He really, truly believed believed he was a good guy. He did all the right things, but that didn't matter. Because when you think about something being good, you're comparing it to something else to decide if it's good, right? So if you think of yourself being good, you're comparing yourself to someone else. So if you're comparing yourself to God, a perfect God, you're not going to be good enough. There is no way. I could never do enough good things to be good enough for God. Not until Jesus Christ himself comes and takes away my sin and my shame and my selfishness and my grumbling, everything, and takes it upon himself, am I able to have a heart that will love and want to follow after God. If Jesus isn't the only way, then he is not a way at all. So in your doubts, in your journey as a believer... You have to come to decide for yourself if Jesus really is who he says he is. Because if he is, then there's no doubt that he is the only way. But our whole second half of this series will be proving why Christ really is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, But if as a believer in Christ, if he really is who he says he is, and I believe it with my whole heart, then out of love and not judgment, am I going to be telling people that they too need to believe in Jesus? Imagine with me for a minute that um, you find out you get terminal cancer. Um, it's really hard. You go into the doctor's office to see, see what they can do. Um, and he comes up to you and says, okay, I have some options for you. There's this treatment over here that I know 100% fat. It will treat your cancer. It will cure you and it will save your life. Um, but there's also this other treatment over here. It's pretty good. It could work. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You could try it. Um, well, which one would you choose? You choose the one that would 100% cure your cancer, right? Why would he even offer you the other way? Kind of seems dumb, right? So if Jesus really was God in the flesh, and he took our punishment, and he is the only way, then why would you not solely offer the way to everyone else? We're going to check out this video, and then you can go into your discussion after. One thing I hear all the time is that Christians are so closed-minded. They only believe in one way to go to heaven. How about all the Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, agnostics, and atheists? To think that only Christians can go to heaven is so intolerant. There should be multiple ways to get to heaven, right? So on this video, we will discuss the question, is there only one way to get to heaven? And the short answer is yes. But I didn't say it, Jesus did. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
and the passage specifically states that Jesus is the only way a person can get to God the Father who is in heaven. And a lot of people have a problem with this. Why can't God allow people of all kinds of beliefs into heaven? That's so close-minded, and if anything, it's unloving. If God really loved all people the way he says he does, he'd allow all people into heaven. Now, this can be a hard question for Christians to answer, so we will address this question in illustration time. Now, let's say you're flying on a plane traveling out of the country. You're all excited to travel. You got your books, your tablets, your go-to Disney movies, and right after you take that selfie, you decide to take a quick nap. And so you're sleeping, but all of a sudden, this abrupt shaking wakes you up. The attendants are walking quickly back and forth, telling people to calm down and to stay in their seats, and the air masks fall from the ceiling, and people are starting to panic, and the captain starts explaining on the intercom that the plane has received heavy damage due to an unexpected storm, and that they need to have an emergency landing. The attendants give instructions on the emergency protocols, and then they take their seats. Holding your seat tight, the plane makes its violent landing. Pretty soon you start smelling smoke, and you're soon notified that fires have broke out on multiple places in the plane. The captain comes out of the cockpit and yells to the passengers, everyone, please stay calm and use the exit next to the left wing of the plane. That is the only safe exit. Now looking at this scenario, is the captain unloving for telling the passengers that they can only use one exit? I mean, there's other exits too, right? Why can't they use the front or back exit, or the exit next to the right wing of the plane? Well, that's because the captain knows which exit is the safe exit. If any other exit could lead to safety, he would have told the passengers. He wouldn't be unloving for only giving us one option. If anything, giving us the way out is the most loving thing he could do. And this is exactly what Jesus said in the passage. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say, I am one way, one truth, or one life. He said, I am the one and only way, the way. There are no other ways to get to heaven. People can say God is unloving for being so close-minded, but in reality, Jesus is absolutely loving because he made a way for all of us to have eternal life after we die, and that's through his death on the cross for all the wrong things that we've done. So if Jesus said he's the only way to heaven, there's only two options. He's either right or he's wrong. And if you think he's wrong, that's fine, but make sure you have good reasons to believe why he's wrong and make sure you look at Jesus's arguments on why he's right. Jesus says there is a heaven and a hell, and he also says that there won't be many people who make it into heaven. Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 to 14, and it reads, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. So to wrap everything up, is there only one way to heaven? And the answer is yes, through Jesus Christ. And he's not unloving or closed-minded because he said there's only one way. He's absolutely loving because he's letting us know that there is a sure way to have life after death. Romans chapter five, verses eight and nine. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Hey everyone, thanks for watching. So if the